Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Good Morning BT with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman. All right, before I play Beth's Monday song of the day, I know Zoki joined us on Friday, even though it was his day off, and uh, I appreciate that. But I know that Zoki was not with us, uh, meaning listening, at this time on Friday. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, the big news. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, because you were not, I want to make sure you know, and this is sort of uh, – this sort of underscores to people when I say that we never know what this song is going to be. This was the song on Friday, heading into the weekend. This is my recital. I think it's very vital. To rock around. That's right. On top. Here we go. It's tricky to rock around. To rock Wow. All right. Soak that one in. Wait. They were using this on a golf commercial all last week for the uh, Players' Championship coming up. Because there's a 17th hole that's an island par three. They they do this oh, probe okay. that runs all the way okay. Have you seen it? I was going to say, what is, is that? Going? Did you see? Are you watching golf? Uh, all the time. Well, so here's the thing, though. I had this theory last week, which will this will not make sense anymore after I say this, um, that I that songs that were coming into my head were things that maybe I heard in the background at the grocery store or maybe on TV. And I was thinking I had figured out my brain. Until, Until today. <laughs> That and I wanted to just juxtapose the difference of Friday and Monday. Did not hear the sound of golf promo. Run DMC, this is not. (laughs) But maybe golf. Around the world, (laughs) I've searched for you. (laughs) I traveled on. What am I listening to? No sense. So I, my brain just completely disproved myself. <laughs> is this Bing Crosby? It's Bing Crosby. Is around the world in 80 days. <laughs> I knew the voice. It's funny. I don't even know this song. I'm positive that I haven't heard this song in the background of anything recently. But I did pick up my dog and waltz with him this morning. I think the universe is just messing with your brain at this point. <laughs> It's like that movie, the Pixar movie Inside Out, where you see inside the person's brain. Yes. Like, I'm just trying to wonder what chaotic, upside-down world that is for Beth Troutman. (laughs) I swear there's a Jim Carrey movie in all this somehow. We just wake up with a different song every day. (laughs) A Jim Carrey movie and a new golf promo (laughs) for NBC. Or is it like some universal, like, clue to, like, what's going on on the planet today, and you have to figure out the clues of why this song is in your head? One day we're going to figure this out. Now that it has become a public thing and it's not just my brain trying to figure it out, now that there are other people maybe trying to figure this out, we might decode the crazy. I say this often. There there are those radio stations that the format, it's like Jack FM, like, <laughs> we play anything. Beth Be- FM. Beth FM is, we play... Wait, what the hell is that? <laughs> what? What are we playing? <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, you know what we should do, actually? We should every, along with our Best of the Week podcast, we should just do all the songs from that week that, and just let people listen to them. Yeah, it could be Beth's weekly playlist. <laughs> My weekly playlist. That's not a bad idea. 
<laughs> Sing it to me, Bing. Yes. This is not Christmas music. No. Was it the old Barbara McKay? Now go take on the day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, that was what's her name? It's Dr. Laura. Dr. Laura. <laughs> I confused all my 90s radio. Sorry, Harold. <laughs> Sorry, Harold. You know what, though? That's actually a great segue into an article that I found over the weekend that I feel like kind of goes with the fact that we now wake up, all of us, I'm waking you all up to music now. Listen to this. One good thing you can do. Change up your morning routine to bring more joy to your day. And you can do it first thing in the morning. This is according to Dr. Elissa Eppel. She says, wake up and orient to the joy in your day. You can remind yourself there is joy in your day, and it's a great way to benefit and simply be open to seeing (laughs) and feeling the joy. Then do one thing to increase your positive mood and outlook on the day. So we're actually ahead of the game. Uh-huh. Like we've been doing this. Yeah. For what, six months? Yes. So waking up and maybe recognizing the song in your head or your heart or in your crazy. And Play the I... Friday one for me again. <laughs> yeah, you, you, need, you need to go back to uh, something that, uh, well, it doesn't make sense. That would but... actually make me happier. Yeah. It made John more happy. Yeah. That. yeah, that was good. Do you watch much NBC, like, news or anything? I do watch NBC News. They've been running this promo for this golf tournament coming up in a few weeks. So maybe at some point... It caught in your head without yeah. you noticing. I didn't notice it on a golf com- commercial, but mm-hmm. see, that makes sense to me that maybe I heard it. Because I had, there was a John Mayer song last week that I think I had heard in the grocery store a few days before. And so it was kind of stuck like an earworm. Mm-hmm. But then, so I had this whole thing. I was like, maybe I figured this out. And then I woke up today and was like, well, nope. I don't know what secondhand smoke you're getting. I'm being Crosby getting in your head, but. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one, one thing left to do to end this segment is to play the real Players' Championship theme. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is this coming weekend. Is it? It is. Hence the promos. But it was like the next NBC event, so they've been promoting it for a couple weeks. Okay. Well. Joy. Bring joy to your day, everyone. (laughs) Yes. We're going to play Bing Crosby through the speakers at the most famous hole in all of golf, number 17. I'm going to waltz with you guys in the hallway. Uh, Who says we haven't already? Well, I did. Yeah. With your dogs at home. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to make John Moore do it now. WPT. Monday on News Talk 1110 WBT from the Tyboid Studio. Bo Thompson here along with Beth Troutman and Jim Zoki and John Moore. And it's a busy weekend on the entertainment front. And uh, we talked about that this was coming. Uh, the first ever live special on Netflix on Saturday night. It was this Chris Rock selective outrage mm-hmm. special. And it's kind of weird because, you know, it used to be that uh, you'd watch live TV for, you know, live stuff. And then everybody started doing the streaming thing where nothing was live. And now they're saying, wait, we could do a live show on streaming. Yep. So here we are. Everything old is new again. But Chris Rock, uh, this is not the first time that he's spoken about the Chris, about the uh, the Will Smith slap since the Oscars last year, which, by the way, are just days away now. Uh, the ceremony, but this because he's done stand-up specials or he's done stand-up events. So if you actually went to one of those shows, you heard some of him talking about Will Smith. But this is the first time he's been on a on a 
in a medium where enough people could see him at once like this. Yeah, where he's gone into lengthy detail because he spent about 10 minutes on this one topic, whereas before I think some of the mentions were quips, you know, just funny references, just Mm -hmm. these little moments at different comedy shows. But this was actually his, I think, full response. Yeah, uh, but what I'm going to play is not the full response. Well, because we can't. <laughs> because it's la- laced with uh It's profanity. Chris Rock. Yes, but I am going to play you about, uh, this is about 38 seconds worth of some of the uh, moments from Saturday Night. Y'all know what happened to me, getting smacked by Suge Smith. The people I didn't hurt. It still hurts. I got summertime ringing in my ear. A lot of people go, Chris, how come you didn't do nothing back? I got parents. And you know what my parents taught me? Don't fight in front of white people. I have rooted for Will Smith my whole life. And now I I watch Emancipation just to see him get whooped. So (laughs) he's pulling no punches here. I mean, at all. And some people were, it was weird watching social media over the weekend because some people were really upset and they're like get over it Chris Rock like it's been a year but this was really his first um his first response and other people were saying that he was like a bitter old man now and I I didn't get that sense from hearing the clip I mean I think it was his I think I think he had to in any stand-up routine that he was ever going to do had to do a bit about it right well, well look he didn't deserve what happened to him at let's, all. All, let's all agree on that at all last year so uh, honestly I mean the, the businessman in me is watching what he did saying boy he uh, parlayed that into about as as much positive momentum for himself as you possibly could yeah I mean he brilliantly sort of waited until he had this moment he he found uh, the the right platform and uh, if you look at the uh, the Netflix, you know, you can see what's trending on Netflix and oh, the numbers yeah. for this were, were pretty substantial. So, uh, look, you know what I mean when I say this. It's it's not good that it happened to him last year, but it's one of the best things that ever happened to his career. As far as putting him maybe back on the map, you know, because he really, that particular night, and I was watching that Oscars broadcast live, he came out um, on top, really, in that scenario because he maintained his composure mm-hmm. so beautifully. I mean, he stayed on the stage. He didn't, uh, he, like as he just said in his stand-up, he didn't retaliate. And he he maintained a level of composure that I don't know if most people would be able to. I mean, he kind of made a joke after the moment happened and then, mm-hmm. then, and then moved on. And that in and of itself, I think, raised his uh, if anybody had a negative opinion of him at any point I think that was gone after that I don't think you could have a negative opinion of him after that moment happened reality is it it is an iconic TV moment whether he wants it to be or not or Will Smith wants it to be or not to the point where Eddie Murphy's making jokes about it at other events so Chris should get to own it Will's been so awkward and we've talked about him before so So awkward awkward in his like three apologies or whatever each one staged worse than the one before Mm -hmm. and that this was kind of like the moment that was needed was someone to it's been enough time to laugh at it and the guy that received it is the guy that can be able to do that and given us permission to laugh at it I was just about to say uh, that you know Eddie Murphy of all people uh, basically 
you know, doubled down on support for Chris Rock uh, at the Golden Globes a few mm -hmm. months ago, mm -hmm. um, where he, you know, at the very end of his speech, that got so much attention. Now, that's one of the moments on Saturday night. A few hours later, uh, then, and I got to tell you, my daughter and I uh, have always enjoyed watching Saturday Night Live together. She texted me last that's week so and, said, and said, Travis Kelsey is going to be the host. And I thought... Uh, I might even skip that one. The, the whole athletes on TV, on, on SNL, usually doesn't work. And that guy, to me, up until Saturday night, I would have said, nah, just not into it. And we watched it, you know, next on, on Sunday morning. And I got to tell you, um, I have to go back and look at all the people that have been on. But uh, I can tell you by just the opening monologue, one of the best athletes, if not the best one I've ever seen on SNL. <gasps> and you guys wow. didn't see it. I so didn't I wanna, see it. I want to play you just a, a little bit of uh, his opening number here when he came out on stage. Uh, the Kansas City Chief Super Bowl winning tight end, Travis Kelsey. Thank you so very much. It's great to be here. And if you don't know, I just won my second Super Bowl. <laughs> Which was amazing, but for me, hosting SNL is that much better. I'm lying to you all. I'm lying, I'm kidding. <laughs> Winning the Super Bowl was way better, uh, but seriously. <laughs> seriously, I'm honored that SNL asked me to host. I was nervous about doing a monologue, but then I remembered, um, actually, I'm pretty good with words. I'm pretty good with words. Like, during uh, games, I do these super eloquent pump-up speeches for my teammates. Please watch. More, 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 more. That's, so it's, it's a it's a clip, and I don't know if you've seen it, but he's going on the sideline. And he's just going to every single person on the sideline. More, 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 <laughs> more. Uh, but if you saw the whole thing, uh, you know what I'm talking about. But he um, and, and and you may be wondering also was were other members of his family there? His mom was there, his dad was there, his brother uh, Jason was there. The and one actually, who lost the Super Bowl. And they did a they did a, a skit together later on. Um, but I highly, highly, I, I was skeptical, and I should not have been because. Uh, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. I, I, I thought I knew the, all there was with Travis Kelsey and kind of that persona. And uh, the dude has comedic chops that if he wants to do this after football, I think he absolutely can. Well, yeah. I think this probably sets him up great for a broadcasting career. Like he and Greg Olson, how good would they be on an NFL broadcast? Watch out, Tom Brady, the, because he was on SNL, wasn't he? And he kind of bit it. <laughs> maybe, maybe he wasn't. I'm even saying, yeah, maybe an analyst. But but judging by how he did on SNL, I'm I'm saying maybe he could be uh, an actor. Oh, like I think. Oh, he's like that, that um, Willig guy. Matt Willig. Matt Willig. He's an actor, football well, guy. Or like a John Cena who, or mm -hmm. The Rock, you know, that yeah. were pro, pro wrestlers. He, he does have like a wrestling persona kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I mean, seriously, Jim, you got to go watch it today and mm -hmm. tell me what you think after you've seen more of it because I was really impressed and I'm <laughs> I'm pretty skeptical when it comes to that kind of thing. So This is the best way we can like fast forward through like the commercial breaks and all yeah. that and the jokes that aren't good because yeah. there's and, always those skits towards the end that aren't good. And a lot of times when you have somebody like him, like remember when Elon Musk was on there, somebody that's not a, a trained actor uh, uh -huh. That they don't they show up in maybe every other other, other sketch. And he was in awkward. nearly every one of them. <gasps> so. I love it for him. Way to right. go, Kelsey. Monday morning, Ty Boyd Studio, Bo and Beth here with uh, Bernie. Bernie's in the house. Yeah, hey, Bernie. Hey, Bernie. <laughs> Got the Zoke and John Moore here. And uh, while we're talking about weekend audio. SNL, uh, check. We got Chris Rock's special, check. 
You know, uh, there's still Bill Maher on HBO, Real Time with Bill Maher. Uh, he had, boy, whatever happened to Russell Brand? Remember Russell Brand? He was in that. I know he was in the movie, uh, uh, the Sarah Marshall movie. Forgetting Sarah Forget Marshall. It. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I mean, whatever happened to that dude? He wrote a book. He uh, his book was actually quite good about his uh, his battle with alcoholism. Was well, he married to Katy Perry for like a day? Uh, yeah, I, forgot about <laughs> I think like they were day. married for like nine months or something. It was okay. really short. Was he yeah. in Get Him to the Greek? Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Yes. that was funny. Let's all say something about but, Russell Brand. But, but no one's answered the question. Where is he now? I don't know. Did he play a Duke? Oh wait, that was Elton Brand. <laughs> I actually do know where he is because he was on Real Time with Bill Maher on Friday night. He was one of the panelists. Uh, Bill Maher, and and this is, uh, you'll see how this one feeds into the other, but the first clip here is just sort of a general statement that Maher has made that's gotten some attention about uh, the origins of COVID. I feel like we're entering this phase now with COVID where we are in a period of, we can have perspective, we can look back, it's over. And so there's been a number of studies recently that have come out about things like natural immunity, mask wearing, lockdowns, and of course the big one this week about the lab leak theory. Um, I feel like the people who are the dissenters are looking pretty good. I was one of them. I remember getting a lot of from a lot of places. Somebody dug this up for me this week. Uh, The Daily Beast, (laughs) Daily Beast. Uh, had a headline, Bill Maher pushes Steve Bannon Wuhan lab COVID conspiracy. Yes, it was just Steve Bannon. Well, it was, you know, the former head of the CDC, it's the FBI, it's the Energy Department. We don't know. Like I said, we shouldn't politicize it. But would you agree that the dissenters are looking better these days? And, and uh, on the heels of that, that uh, Wednesday is the next uh, hearing on Capitol Hill uh, regarding U.S. and China relations and a focus this time around on uh, the origins of COVID-19 and the very reports that he was speaking about uh, that uh, surfaced last week. Now, uh, you may also have heard, because Zoki wants to know what I'm really up to here, it's an excuse to talk about tennis on a Monday morning. I suspected you were going to tennis <laughs> out of Bill Maher and COVID. Novak Djokovic has been, he's been denied entry into the United States again because uh, he's trying to play uh, Indian Wells, which is coming up. And they've said, no, uh, you're not vaccinated. You can't enter. Now, this, of course, on the heels of him being uh, unable to participate in last year's Australian Open, not this year's, but last year's because he was unvaccinated. But now he's been denied entry again, and this is where Russell Brand comes into this. He's part of this uh, this discussion, as you'll hear here in a moment, but they're talking about uh, this now the situation with COVID and Novak. This was on HBO on Friday night. This is a tennis player, Novak Djokovic. He's like the best player ever. He's ever so good at tennis. He's dedicated his life to it. What's right. your point, sir? He can't... <laughs> he can't. <laughs> oh, you should see him oh. play tennis. He, he cannot... He right can, over the net it he, goes. He cannot... <laughs> uh, ta- he cannot get into America. No. He'd like to be playing at the, uh, I think it's coming up, the Miami Open or something. He is unvaccinated, but he's had COVID twice. See, this, again, natural immunity. Something we always used to understand was, like, better than the actual vaccine. Somehow that got to be reversed. But I, the, the, the head of the Miami tournament, I, I read a quote for him, yesterday. He's, he's trying to get Djokovic in, uh, and he said, uh, there doesn't seem to be any imminent danger. 
imminent danger of a man playing tennis, of a man who's had it twice standing al alone, a sport where you're alone, in the middle of a stadium outside, in a country where everyone's already had it. No imminent danger. This country is stuck on stupid. It just is. <laughs> And, and Indian Wells, by the way, the Miami tournament he's talking about starts today. So I loved, I mean, I, Russell Brand was only in that clip for two seconds, and <laughs> you just gotta love the guys. Over the net it goes. It's like <laughs> your, he was like your sports soulmate for you. <laughs> yes. I think Russell, I want you and Russell Brand to have a sports conversation. How good would we be as commentators for sports that we just over the net it goes? <laughs> Excuse me, I'm off to find Sarah Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy, man. So that answers the question, whatever happened to Russell Brand? He was on HBO. It's like right a sidekick to Bill Maher on occasion. That's yeah, exactly there you right. go. Well, his book, by the way, I looked it up. It's called Recovery. I read it. It's great. He's actually a fantastic writer as well. He's playing at Indian Wells. That's what we've discovered throughout. How fun this. would that be? And right like, over the net. <laughs> over the net goes. He's wearing leather right pants. Right over the net it goes. <laughs> WBT, where business talks, presented by Ram Pavement. Good morning. We're nine in front of seven o'clock here on WBT, and we'll start by uh, going back to the market close on your Friday. Stocks ending higher for the day and week. The major averages gaining after data on the U.S. services sector showed its strongest activity since the summer. The signs of economic resilience outweighing concerns about inflation. Big cap tech stocks were among the gainers with Apple leading the charge after Morgan Stanley raised its price target for the tech titan shares, while Costco stock was one of the worst performers of the S&P 500. The wholesale retailer delivered second quarter earnings that beat forecasts, but its revenue was lower than estimates. The Dow winners, Apple, Boeing, and Goldman Sachs. The Dow decliners, Coca-Cola, Merck, and Salesforce. The Dow up 387 points. The Nasdaq up 226. S&P 500 up 64. Hillary Barsky, Fox News. News Talk 1110 WBT. Uh, hello? You know, back in Baton, we could have fed 600 men in the time it's taken you ham and eggers just to take my order. We'd have had you boys digging latrines. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hello? <laughs> Look, now I'll talk slow so as you can understand me. Large fries, pie, large coffee, pronto. Got me good, buddy. <laughs> now, now the key word there is fries. Large. large fries, pie, coffee, but back to large fries. Actually, if uh, some people have their way, uh, it won't be large anything. Yeah, this study was done back in 2017 and got a lot of headlines back then. But for some reason, it's making the rounds again on social media. A study done by Harvard professor Eric Rim, who called potatoes starch bombs and <laughs> says that they are um, they are, are, are responsible for an increased risk in mortality. His suggestion, and I got to get your take on this, his suggestion is the proper serving size of French fries would be six. Mm. Not six <laughs> orders, six French fries. Six French fries. I'm going to say it one more time. Six French Wait, fries. Who, and who was saying this? This is a Harvard professor named uh, Eric Rim. Yeah, I don't like this guy. I mean, was he the mayor of New York at one point? <laughs> <laughs> when have you ever, you remember that when Lay's potato chips, their commercial was, you can't just eat one or you can't eat just one. When 
Like, I eat six French fries out of the bag driving home mm -hmm. before I even sit down to eat my burger. Yeah, that's how many are left in the bag when you're done. That's the yeah. bonus fries. Yes, and that's how many are left from the three orders of fries mm -hmm. that are sitting in the and bag. Then it's weird when you get two onion rings in there. Yeah. Oh, but you ordered fries. No. <laughs> no, that's like winning the lottery. Uh, no, 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 it's no. like getting a curly fry. I, I think it's those, like a bonus. I think those yes. are sus. That's like suspect onion rings. Yes. I no, agree. it's like getting a curly fry in your regular fries. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on real quick. Uh, short room poll. Uh, uh, who likes onion rings in this room? Oh, I do. Oh, I actually yeah. do like them. Oh, you do like them. I okay. do. All right. I think it's suspect when you get fries, but you have like. It feels like yesterday's onion rings are also in there. <laughs> oh, I kind of like it. I think it's a bonus, like, surprise. But what you're really saying here, or what they're saying, not what you're saying, but what they're suggesting is is that you start ordering fries the way you order nuggets. Like, I want a six count, or yep. I want a nine count. or what. So I'd like, are we going to have packs of, of fries now? I, yeah. want a, I want a six count fry. You know, I, I picture those <laughs> coming out in like a little holder with little teeny tiny holes and like yeah. one fry stuck in one hole. Like a golf bag. <laughs> yes. A little club. And some get six French fries. And you know how you get French fries and then there are some that are in that order of fries. They're perfectly crisp. They're perfectly salted. They're the right shape, the right length, the whole thing. But then you get those weird ones that have like the burnt crinkle rotten end mm -hmm. that tastes like rotten potato or you get like the little crunchy bit or... If you're only getting six fries, do you get to pick which six? You know, if I'm getting six fries and I'm only going to have six, <laughs> like, I want them all to be perfect. It's a fry buffet. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, this is what this guy is suggesting, that we need to rethink what our fry orders look like, that we don't need an entire container of large fries, which how many how many French fries would you guess is in a large fry? I mean, I don't know the answer, but my guess is like 50 Oh, at the more fifty. At the most, uh, probably not even that many. I wouldn't think. Well, at McDonald's maybe because they're, yeah, they're smaller, cause, yeah, or yeah, thinner. Because yeah, they're thin. They're thin and they're thin and perfect. Yeah, if you're doing like uh, steakhouse fries, then not. As oh many. yeah, then like that. Okay, now if it's steak fries, I get that. I could eat six steak fries, but that's a lot. That's a lot of potato there. What about the Wendy's fry? That's kind of in between the two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, twelve. Mm, I still need about twenty, at least twenty, 20. Wendy's, I, Wendy's fries. The older I get, the older I get, I don't do much of a, di a dieter. Uh, the older I get, I just wait, and when it's time to eat fries, I eat as many as I want, so I can enjoy them like the way I want to enjoy <laughs> them. When it's time to eat fries. Well, that's what I mean. But I make, in other words, if Friday. If I, if, <laughs> <laughs> but in other words, if you go by what this person is saying, then the way to make people healthier mm -hmm. is to keep up the frequency that you eat fries, but but subtract the number of fries that you actually eat in the setting. I'd rather just do it less often and eat what I want to eat when I eat yes, it. Yes, that's my key to everything in life, like everything in moderation. If you want to eat cake, eat cake. This life is so, so short. Like, enjoy the cake every now and again. It doesn't mean eat cake every meal. It's not, you know, the, what was the Bill Cosby like, daddy's great. <laughs> Be the chocolate cake. cake. Exactly. <laughs> for breakfast. Cake for breakfast. And cake for breakfast every now and again. And cake by the ocean. <laughs> Jeff. Real quick. Jeff, you're on WBT. Hi, Jeff. Real quick. The lines are already long enough around the building. You're going to have them stop and count six fries. <laughs> oh, yeah. about the lakes. Everybody's going to want the long one. They're not going to want that of the skinny subs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Count fries, and then as Beth says, pick out your favorite fries. Exactly. It's if like, I'm only getting six, I better get six really big, long fries. It's like fries. picking out a Christmas tree. <laughs> and then what do you, you get a great one, Bobby? <laughs> what do you do with waffle fries? Oh. oh. See, well, that I could six of those is better than six McDonald's fries.
at least. Because you don't get much more than six in the waffle fries if you're getting the regular small order. Ah, boy, if you get six McDonald's fries, that's like, I mean. That's like eating one potato chip. Yeah. I have that under my car seat right now. <laughs> and they're still they're still good, surprisingly. You have the. Uh, like they don't mold. You have the perfect serving size <laughs> under your car seat. I do. And a lot of change. <laughs> And uh, three pens. That's what you call. <laughs> that's what you call a variety pack, right there. <laughs> Happy Monday to one and all. Live from the Tide Boys Studio. This is Good Morning VT. Bo and Beth, and the Zoke, and the John Moore, and the Bernie. I trust you implicitly. I think. <laughs> I just told Bo in the commercial break, I, I received an email from a listener that Bo needs to hear, but I wanted to read it out loud on the air so that we could all get your reaction to this. This can we, is Can we play the Blues Clues We Got Mail thing? <laughs> I don't know if I have. Do you have Blues Clues the We Got Mail thing? I don't think so. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. Bo has everything. This is like the first time we stumped some, him. I have some Cypress Hill. <laughs> this is similar. All right. Here is the email from our listener, Eunice. Eunice says, Hi, Beth. Can you break this gently? Oh, that's that's foreboding. Found out this week from a Coke exec that they are discontinuing Vanilla Coke Zero. So sorry to Bo and to me. Love, Eunice. Well, there goes that show. Uni. Oh, we've lost Bo forever. Why don't you tell him after the show? <laughs> Why uh, would you tell him in the middle of the show? I'm going to change the music here. Do you want me to read it again? What's up, Daniel Powder? Now that, uh, now yeah, that we yeah, have... this is where I want the oh. Daniel Powder. I actually am asking for Daniel Powder from John Moore. I couldn't get right blues, now. blues, but we got Daniel. The powder. one time John doesn't have it on the ready. <laughs> <laughs> like the one time in sorry, his, the one time in wow. history you haven't had this at the ready. Come on, I'm right about that. Like he has this for anything this, else. This is what we need. That's where we're off the air. Read it again. Now I'll read it in my A1. sad in your AI voice. My AI vo- voice. Hi, Beth. Can you break this gently? I found out this week from a Coke exec that they are discontinuing Vanilla Coke Zero. So sorry to Bo. Look, he lost his best friend. Who's your best friend? It was Vanilla Coke. Is it Bernie? (laughs) Yeah, Bernie's number two. (laughs) (laughs) Bernie's number one now. (laughs) Wow. I don't know how to take this news. It just means I'm going to have to keep buying my own vanilla is what it means. (laughs) That's the same thing because you were out of the room. So just to to give people some insight into what happened and how we ended up reading this on the air, you went out of the room Mm -hmm. for a minute. I came back into the room, saw the email, and I was like, oh, my gosh, guys, this is what just happened. And the first thing Bernie said was, it's fine. He's got vanilla syrup. He said, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Using Bo's own words against him. Because you had a bad day. Is this, is this really going to drive me to, dr- to diet Pepsi? Is, no, it's not. Oh. No, no, no. This seems like, um, like one of the most basic flavors of all the ones that there are, because there's so many varieties out there. I'm stunned, actually, by this news. I would drink a Diet Coke vanilla. I would drink that. I wouldn't drink, like, the orange. You know what I'm saying? There's so many weird flavors. There's an well, orange they, Coke. They've tried the or- orange vanilla. See? They've tried the cherry vanilla. See? Uh, and nothing sticks. Now I, I assume they're going to keep the vanilla regular, but I don't. I don't drink that as much as I'd like because oh, I don't mm. know. I can't drink 150 calorie drinks as much as I drink the other stuff and 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 be the boyish figure that I am. <laughs> Five <laughs> times a day. You yes. could if you only ate six French fries. That is exactly right. <laughs> so we solved it.
In the course of two segments, we solved the problem. So now you can just go drink regular Coke and just stop the fries. Mm. I know I'm just going to have to keep buying my own vanilla syrup and be the weirdo that everybody yeah. thinks I am, but <laughs> I'm sorry. That sounds like a T-shirt in the making. <laughs> I'm just going to be the weirdo people. What would you I mean, say? The, <laughs> that people think The weirdo I am. that I am. No, no, not think. I mean, I, I, I admit and embrace the fact that it's strange that I bring my own little canister of vanilla no, to work. No, no, no. no, my favorite day, my favorite day was when you got a text from your wife who said, I borrowed your vanilla syrup and I forgot <laughs> to put it back. <laughs> this is true. She really did. Because she knew that you needed your vanilla syrup because you can't I mean, ever find the, the vanilla Coke Zero. I guess this is how comfortable I've gotten with everybody here. And, and it really is a, a, should be a, a good reflection on where we are as a radio station that, you know, I, I certainly think that, that Pete comes in here and he looks behind the printer over here and he sees a thing of vanilla. And he, and, and I'm sure Winterbull does, too, and, 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 and everybody else, Garrison and Jensen. But they just know that's me. Yeah, they like just there have been times here, like uh, like Jason Lewis would have seen vanilla back there and said, "Get this guy out of here." <laughs> <laughs> now, don't even get if me Keith, started. What Keith Larson would have said. I was just gonna say, if, if Keith were here, he would have licked the lid <laughs> and not told you. <laughs> oh, look! I have no doubt. Like back in the day when I used to be one of his producers, that would have been like a a full three hour show on me bringing my own vanilla to work. Now I have become that guy who's okay with it. Now I'm going to have to actually, now that I know this because of our listener, Eunice, I have to, I, I think I'm going to buy you one of those big gallon jugs of it, of the vanilla syrup. Just the big one. Like a big Costco? Yeah, like the Costco version of the, the but you do sugar-free vanilla syrup, right? So I'm going to buy you a big Costco version of vanilla syrup, sugar-free. Lean into it, Bo. Well, Lean into it. Actually, lean actually I've, I've recently found... I was in the World Market store the other day. You know the one over there's I one at Cotswold. There are a couple of them around. They have really good like international cookies. In mm -hmm. the back, yeah. in the back, yeah. they have a whole shelf of the same vanilla that I usually buy in Publix because that's the only place that I could find it before. They have like four times the size. <gasps> these big glass bottles. I haven't, I haven't had the guts to bring one of those in here yet. But guess what? Now I know I have to. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna put it in your bomb shelter? <laughs> Well, Armageddon happens, at least you'll have it. One for here and one for there. <laughs> I so. love that you're soon going to have a giant glass bottle of vanilla syrup. Mm -hmm. It's coming. Right here in the studio. Hi, honey. What would y'all talk to about on the show today? <laughs> oh, Eunice called and told me there's no more vanilla Coke Zero. <laughs> <laughs> so I took my toys home and left. All right. Well, thanks a lot. I'm just so glad that we had a reason on the air to play Daniel Powder's yeah. Bad Day. So yeah. just to let our listeners in on what happens in the commercial breaks, anytime that something goes wrong, John Moore <laughs> plays the Daniel Powder Bad Day song. And we talk about our feelings. And we talk about our feelings in the room. Except for the one time we wanted to and he didn't have it ready. <laughs> Never going to let that go, are you, Jim? All right. <laughs> I'm not producing the show. <laughs> Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. So I have to say, after all the coverage and uh, everything sort of built to a fever pitch uh, Thursday night with the, the Murdoch trial, yeah. then I sat down and finally watched the Netflix Murdoch documentary on the family. 
Yeah. Uh, not just uh, Alec Murdoch, but uh, Buster and, uh, and even even things that I didn't know about uh, as much kind of on the periphery uh, in Walterboro, South Carolina. But this Netflix uh, special and it's not long. I mean, it's only a few of them, a few episodes. Yeah. But uh, it, it really shed some light on the backstory of all of this. And with the the, the, the trial ending last week, uh, th- if you look at Netflix this weekend, it's one of the top trending shows outside of the Chris Rock thing. Well, and it makes perfect sense. And it is. It's three episodes. Each episode is uh, less than an hour. And my thinking is, is they release these three because they know that they'll probably do three or four more about the trial itself and about the conviction and all of that stuff so they can just attack on. That's my thought as far as a business model for this. But I'm like you. I watched it as well. And I knew about, you know, you heard when 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 Paul and Maggie were killed, mm-hmm. we heard a, a little more about the boating accident that killed the young 19-year-old girl. We heard a little bit about the, the the housekeeper who died on the front steps of the Murdoch home. But this documentary went into much greater detail and even had um, surveillance footage of the night that the boat accident happened. And there, there was so much that I didn't know about that particular night, but also about the history of the family and, and how people in town what they thought about the family versus what they would say in public about the family. It was two very different things. And that's the remarkable thing to think about wealth and power is the community kind of deferred to these people, but it seemed like nobody really liked them. Mm-hmm. Like the body cam of um, the night of the boating accident yeah. where they tried to implicate one of the other boys on the boat as being the driver instead of it being Paul. Yes, And he said, to the police officer, he goes, do you know who Alec Murdoch is? He goes, yeah. He goes, good luck. <laughs> Meaning this kid's going to get off yeah. because of his name and who he is. And that's how they all felt about them in that town. Well, and then Alec Murdoch showed up at uh, in this documentary. They had footage of him showing up at the hospital and talking to the different um, young people who were involved and were injured um, in the boating accident. Getting their story straight. Yeah. Getting their story straight while they're in the hospital hours or hour after this boating accident. The dad, Alex, and, and the grandfather are in the hospital telling people to not talk, and he he drove the boat. It wasn't Paul and all yes. this stuff happening while they're in the hospital that night. And the car crash where when uh, the family members got to the scene, they were worried about cleaning out the car mm-hmm. with, the, with the guns and the beer cans and not making sure first that everybody was okay. And did. They got away with that one. Yeah. That one was something that, that and, and, and again, this is all in the, the documentary itself. You know, we didn't do the, the background story on this, but this is all carried out. And then there is now, there's also, they raise question about a classmate of Buster Murdoch in the actual documentary, a young guy named Stephen Smith, who was found um, basically beaten to death in the middle of the road, um, I think back in 2019. And that was touched on in the documentary. But now, since the guilty verdict of Alec Murdoch, People, the public is now demanding answers in that suspicious death. And that's one of the big headlines from over the weekend is now that Alec Murdoch has been found guilty, now eyes are suddenly pointing to the one family member 
left, Buster, Buster, who was very present in the courtroom, you know, sitting right behind his dad, just a couple of rows back. And now people want that particular murder solved because it never has been. Well, and as they were uh, guiding or, or leading Alec Murdoch to his uh, the police van on Friday, leaving the, co- the courthouse, uh, someone said out loud, someone yelled, Buster is next. Your son is next, Alex. Mm. Um, and, and again, it, I think we are probably like a lot of America. I mean, we covered the trial, obviously, on this show. And if you listen to, like, Pete Callender's show, he was in the weeds on this every single day. And like Matt, Matt Harris has been doing a podcast for two years. But people are sort of coming into the, to the know on this trial at different stages. But if you look at the numbers, this Murdoch Murders, a Southern Scandal, three-part little miniseries, kind of Dateline-ish, yes. Netflix-style, yes. uh, is number two in viewing over the weekend. Oh, and yeah. I, I, I have a feeling that this is... And I said this the other day, we were talking to Bill Graham, and I said, you know, uh, as we were watching this on Friday, it's almost like you expected credits to roll at the end of that uh, right. that sentencing on Friday because it seemed surreal. Like, you, you're watching this on Friday night, and again, I had to sit there and say to myself, this is not... This is not a scripted miniseries. This is real life. Now, that judge, when he was doing the sentencing on Friday morning, he says, I'm sure that Maggie and Paul's ghosts come and visit you every night. I mean, he's talking like that. I mean, it's just like he was trying to, I think, goad him into maybe confessing and saying something and getting him emotional. But that was was like almost almost like a... A TV drama as opposed to real life. Like yeah, like somebody had written the script. And then his uh, mugshot from mm-hmm. the, the jail came out over the weekend, and it was such a bizarre photo. His head was suddenly shaved again, and I was wondering, did the did they make you shave your head before you go in, or was that something he decided to do, and he's in the yellow jumpsuit, and you know everybody's sharing that photo, and he has this kind of almost empty, wicked look in his eyes in that mugshot. Not that anybody's mugshot looks great, but... He was well, weirdly unemotional during all of this, during the uh, except the for verdict. when he was on the stand. Yeah, but I mean during the verdict and the sentencing part, like he just yeah. had no emotion. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, you know. Uh, Matt Harris has been doing a podcast leading up to this, and and he's not the only podcast. And and now there's even greater interest. So there will yeah. be there will be people sort of doing their own little private eye versions of this for for months and years to come about this because oh, yeah. they were so consumed by this real-life thing that was happening that seemed like it was scripted for TV. Yeah, because people are fascinated by true crime anyway, Mm -hmm. and this true crime story has so many twists and turns that, I I think you just said, people are amazed that it's real. 737 on WBT this Monday morning. Got to give a shout-out to my alma mater. Going to play for the state title coming up this weekend at yeah. the Dean Dome. Nice. Myers Park defeated North Mech in uh, the regional final this past Saturday. And now they move on to play uh, Richmond Senior for the 4A crown. And so that's going to be uh, in Chapel Hill. But they're uh, cheating because they have Kevin Durant on their team. So, <laughs> I mean, of course they're going to win. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, they got it's, George Lynch. They got uh, that's right. who else was there? Uh, Larry well, Brown's coaching. Yeah, Larry Brown was a <laughs> I don't know if they were Gerald the Henderson. Game. Gerald Henderson. Was. That's exactly right. Um, but so, yeah, so Myers Park's going to play for the state title uh, coming up on Saturday. That'll be the same day as the championship game for the ACC tournament. 
What? And we now know that the ACC tournament, of course, uh, it starts tomorrow, but uh, we now know the three games tomorrow uh, starts off at 2 p.m. Number 12, Florida State at number 13, Georgia Tech, or versus number 13, Georgia Tech in Greensboro. Uh, all these games are on the, the ACC network. Uh, number 10, Boston College is the second game at 430 versus Louisville. Uh, number 11, Georgia Tech, or, I'm sorry, number 11, Virginia Tech is uh, versus Notre Dame at 7 p.m. tomorrow night, the one night game tomorrow night. Then uh, the Wednesday games, number eight, Syracuse, and number nine, Wake Forest at noon. The uh, FSU GT winner plays Pitt in the second game at 2.30. The BC Louisville winner plays North Carolina. So this is the game you'll hear on WBT uh, with an airtime at 6 o'clock and a tip-off at 7 uh, coming up on Wednesday night. And then uh, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame's winner versus NC State at 9.30 on Wednesday night. And then, uh, again, I'm looking well forward here, but you have the number one seed Miami uh, to play Thursday at noon. Then Duke plays in the second game. Number two, Virginia plays in the 7 o'clock game. And number three, Virginia. So the, the Miami, Duke, Virginia, Clemson get the double buys all the way to Thursday. And so uh, that, that is uh, setting up your ACC tournament viewing week. That was so much information. I feel Will like you watch all of the games? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to DVR did you, some of them. Did you watch the Duke-UNC game? I missed that. It was I... so awful. It was like it hurt our eyes. And we went, uh, Sandra, of course, like you, is a Tar Heel. So we watched it at um, at Seabrook at the, the sports bar there. And by happenstance, we ended up in this, like, circle of random Duke people. And, of course, they were enjoying it, which just made it even worse sitting there because it was just like watching – missed shots <laughs> it was like over there's one off again. the glass there's one over <laughs> into the crowd <laughs> it was just like, like neither team could shoot the ball it's like the ACC as a whole is so down this year I mean it's just not by their standards a very good ACC season yeah for everybody I, I but Duke's um, playing well right now I was a bad Tar Heel uh, with that particular game because you know you're supposed to watch the Duke Carolina games um, but I missed that one. I missed it. But were I, you reading a book? I was. <laughs> you know, and yet, so you were reading a book. I actually was reading a book, okay. and I was really lost in it. And yet the ACC is down, but the ACC could still have a good number of teams in this tournament. They're just not going to be the, the number be eight, one. eight nine seeds. Yeah, they're not going to be the <laughs> the number ones and number twos that we're used to. But you know, I mean, look, I think uh, most people would say, if not everybody would say, at this point, that basically the Tar Heels have got to win the ACC tournament to get in. The NCAA, maybe I, I assume that it come it would it would come down to who they'd have to go through to win the title. If there's any scenario where the Tar Heels would make it by not winning the ACC championship, but you know, there there are a slew of teams in here that uh, are going to have to win it to get in. Um, but the problem, as you said, is because the ACC is so down. I won't get super wonky about quad one wins and all that. There's not going to be a quality win to yeah. be found that would actually change. You know, by their metrics that they use these days enough to probably elevate them if they don't win the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is if they would somehow have to beat Miami or, or Virginia or both on the way, and I'm not even looking at the bracket, how if that could potentially happen. But, you know, you're right, though, Jim. I mean, there, it's not like if you, by just just going through the tournament and getting to the championship game, uh, the teams that you're going to go through may not be quad enough. Right. High, high this up. is what other conferences usually go through. Yeah. <laughs> the ACC has become a mid-major. <laughs> <laughs> They're the Missouri Valley Conference now. Darn it. Yet uh, the Wolfpack is going to make it, whether they uh, no, win the they tournament got, or they're, not. So they're, they're doing well let's, this year. Let's focus and Duke on. is like, I think, won six in a row, so they're playing better now. Yeah, Duke is a number four seed, and uh, NC State is a number six seed here. And, you know, we're not talking as much about the Miamis of the world and the Pitts of the world because we, 
you know, it's still weird that they're even in this this uh, this because league. that's the Big East tournament. That's exactly right. So, uh, but like I said, you'll be able to hear all the Tar Heel games right here on WBT. Uh, however far the Tar Heels go, we know at least they'll go. Uh, coming up on Wednesday night, 7 p.m. against the uh, B.C. Louisville. Can we get a Jones Angel phone call this week? Uh, It can be arranged. It can be arranged. I know people. I need to watch them shoot and not make balls. I mean, not make baskets. (laughs) (laughs) Were you reading a book during that segment? (laughs) I'm going to leave that one right there. Ten before eight o'clock here on News Talk 1110-993 WBT crossing the streams on a Monday morning. Brought to you by Window Nation. Upgrade your windows today at windownation.com. Brett Winterbull, happy good morning. Monday. What's going on? It's good on? to be with you. How yeah, are you guys? Yeah. Uh, I want to play a clip coming out of the gate here for you. I know, no doubt you've heard this, but not everybody may have uh, heard this yet. This is uh, President Trump, uh, the final speaker of the weekend at CPAC in 2016. I declared. I am your voice. Today I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Not going to let this happen. Not going to let it happen. I will totally obliterate the deep state. I am your retribution. (laughs) Said the guy who got 62% of the straw poll vote, uh, DeSantis, uh, 20% in second place. Nikki Haley got 3%. Uh, did you, how much time did you spend with CPAC this weekend? Uh, a, a little bit. I didn't, I didn't spend a whole lot of time. I, I, normally, I go to CPAC and, yeah. and cover stuff from there. But this year, I don't know. There was just something about it that was not uh, intriguing to me to go to this. I think next year is obviously going to be a much more important year to go. But... The idea of, like, using the retribution as your stand, you know, I think we've seen what retribution gets us, right? Mm -hmm. We're living through it right now where people won't go to Palestine, Ohio, because they didn't like the way they voted. Or uh, this group is is, is looking to try to extract a a maximum pain uh, by allowing cities to to die a, a, a slow, painful death. I think we've got to move beyond the retribution. I think we've got to go back to a governing model and we've got to go to a place where, okay, if you want to pass bills, you want to pass laws, you want to do that sort of stuff, do it. Uh, But, but this whole like, you know, Hulk smash, it's, it's cheesy. I mean, honestly, I think it's just kind of cheesy. I'll be honest with you. Uh, You were, you just said that you didn't go to to CPAC because there wasn't, it it just wasn't as interesting to you. Yeah. I think there were a lot of people maybe that that shared that opinion because it didn't have the turnout that uh, CPAC yeah. normally has. And I was wondering, in your opinion, is that why Donald Trump came out so on top with this straw poll? Because the people who were there were yeah. those diehards. Well, it, it, they, they decided to go back to D.C., which I don't understand why they didn't stay in Florida. Um, it, it doesn't make sense to me. The last two or three that we went to in Florida have been really fantastic, well-attended, a lot of energy, stuff like that. Why would you take this back to to the National Harbor in Maryland, right over the line from D.C. Nobody wants to go to Washington, D.C. It's a dying city, and it's occupied territory for a lot of activists, uh, as far as they're concerned. So 
I, I, I mean, and certainly, look, the, the schlap stuff that's going on, I mean, that's got to get attended to and looked at. So, yeah, uh, Ron DeSantis was out on the West Coast, you know, plowing fields behind the blue curtain. And, and President Trump flew up and gave a two-hour speech, which is, which is fine. Um, uh, you know, but uh, it's, it's, I don't know, it just it, it lacked the zing. I just wasn't compelled in any way, shape, or form to go to this thing. Well, one of the first things you said to me a few minutes ago was, uh, I'd be more interested in the one next year, yeah. uh, yes. CPAC yeah. in, in 2024. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, so let me ask you this question. This, it's kind of a two-parter. Uh, the poll, the, the famous straw poll they take at the end. And, yeah. and, and DeSantis, he gets 20%, despite the fact that he wasn't anywhere near the event. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that aspect of it, does that is, is that a good showing or a bad showing or what? And, and, and the second part of the question is, uh, next year, when you're much more interested in it because it's the election year and the, and the field is set, yeah. how much stock do you put in this straw poll thing I, at all anyway? I, I, I don't. You, because, you know, for years, if you go back like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, OK, it was like Ron Paul would win the straw poll like every year. OK, um, and, and, and that's fine. I mean, I, I like Ron Paul. Uh, I like all that. But it's not really a practical measure. These are the most active activists in, in the party. It would be like uh, doing a poll at the Daily Costs or or uh, uh, net roots, you know, over on the left. Of course, you're going to get, you know, Pete Buttigieg as the as the person or whoever it is that's going to be the most radical activist. So I I, I look at this and I, I there really wasn't much to take away from this. And uh, Nikki Haley went down there. I don't know that she served her cause well. To me, it feels like she's consistently defending her 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 identity and things like that because people are taking sh- uh, cheap shots at her so I, I think in a year we'll have a much different picture but again even then you're going to get a warped number coming out of the cpac poll because it it it, it t- is tailored to the most look they they picked carrie lake to be vice president i mean that that was that was who got that's who won the most votes in this in the vp straw poll Carrie Lake, what is Carrie Lake going to deliver? Ret- okay, retribution, right? I mean, that's what she's going to deliver. But um, I, I just, I look at this and it was, man, it, it, it's, it's a far cry from what it has been in the past, for sure. Let me give you just a little taste here of some of the other uh, participants. Uh, you mentioned Nikki Haley. Uh, you'll hear her first, but also Mike Pompeo. We've lost the popular vote in the last seven out of eight presidential elections. Our cause is right. But we have failed to win the confidence of a majority of Americans. That ends now. Losing is bad because losing is bad. But the principles that we stand for are what's really at risk. And it's not a political problem. The, the, problem, is, the problem is that the losses are a symptom of something much bigger. I think it's a crisis in conservatism. We've lost confidence that we are right. It's not just a, a crisis of competence. It's one of character as well. So there you go. I mean, Man, well, I mean seriously, be honest, guys. That, 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 what was that? What was that on either one? That, there's nothing deliverable there on that. They should be talking about Palestine, Ohio. They should be banging COVID-19. They should be banging the DHS and, and, and the um, domestic uh, investigations, right? I mean, those are things they should be. So, you know, you, what, what is, why is Nikki Haley going in there? And I like, I like her as a person. You know, I think she's a, she's a good governor. But why are you going in there and saying we've lost all these elections? 
that that's a downer. Well, it's also a jab. I mean, and, and Pompeo as well. It's a jab at Donald Trump. Both of them, yeah. without saying his name. But, but at but, this but, point, but those people are the true believers. Like they're not going to suddenly go. You know, we lost seven elections. We. we we ought to just change it. They're not going to change it. I mean, at this point, is it, we've essentially heard the same Nikki Haley it's the speech. same speech. Uh, each time. And, and, and Pompeo is sort, sort of nondescript, I mean, except to yep. say that I'm not Donald Trump, and then Donald Trump doing his thing. So. The most interesting people that show up at this thing, honestly, are the, are the Congress people and the senators, because they're the ones who are kind of advancing a vision for things in a limited way. The, the people that want to run for president, they should just be out there trying to run for president. I wouldn't even show up. at the, If I was running for president, I wouldn't show up to, to CPAC until it was until it was you know nutcracking time. Well, we uh, hope you show up at three o'clock I today. I know CC. you will. You will. And uh, we, wherever you are near a radio, make sure you. Uh, it's appointment listening. What's coming up on the Monday edition? Uh, we'll we'll take a, a look back at, at, at this stuff. We'll also take a uh, a look at this nightmare flight that put people in Myrtle Beach. Holy cow! What a what a nightmarish situation that was. And then. Uh, uh, lawmakers want COVID-19 information declassified. I'm going to take a dive into that as well. Brett Winterbull Show starts at 3 today. <laughs> News Talk 1110 WBT, Monday morning, Ty Boyd Studio. I saw something posted this weekend by uh, a frequent listener to the show, uh-huh, uh-huh. former county commissioner Matthew Reidenauer. Uh-huh. Uh, he's called in from time to time. He'll tweet us on stuff we're talking about. So, Matthew, if you're out there, good morning. Hey there. Your ears should be burning. They're about to be because I saw him post something on Facebook, and it was in reaction to an article, uh, an Axios, Axios Charlotte article. Uh, it says, uh, fresh renderings, pickleball restaurant and bar coming to courts in Loso this summer. Mm-hmm. Now, Ridenauer's response to this was, the majority of folks hate the term loso. I've never heard someone to refer to it as such. Indeed, it's mainly in Axios that I hear it used. With one little switch away from using the term, Axios could forever alter Charlotte's course. And that's no exaggeration. L-O-S-O, like capital L, lowercase o, uppercase S, lowercase o. And it's supposed to stand for lower south end. Mm-hmm. So it's like the Charton version <laughs> of if you just don't have time to say the lower south end. Or... Well, and if you're trying to <laughs> trying to go the Noda, the Noda route. Okay, so Noda has become a thing here in Charlotte. I mean, everybody calls it Noda. But do you remember when we first started saying Noda? And I, I even then, and I was much younger then, so maybe I've always been like an old granny in my head or something because even then i thought like no da what like it sounds so valley girl well the one that got me a while back is it monroe ramas like a mora or something like Mora. That? <laughs> what i'm not I've even ne- making that up i've never heard of that no i tweeted that out like oh, about gosh. a year ago Mora. i gotta make sure i'm getting it right i say no da now so i got used to it so the fact that i was kind of in the matthew ridenauer thinking of things when no da came about and it's now a thing and i don't have a problem saying it now it just is like no da i'm going to no da um, maybe Loso will become that. Well, but the people, Loso. the Loso thing has been a like thing a for about two or three years. And I've heard, I've, oh, met, has it that oh, long? I'm like Matthew. I've never heard anybody say it in conversation. Hey, I'm going to go nope. over to Loso. No, you're going to go to the lower part of South, of South Boulevard. Well, is there a, and is, I'm right about the Mora. So is we there, have a Mora. Oh gosh. So if there's a Loso, <laughs> if there's a lower South end, is there like an Upso? 
An upper south? Yeah, it's called uh, Uptown. Yuso? <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a couple hundred feet there, right? Like Yuso? Can we call it Yuso? Like the part that's right south of downtown, mm-hmm. but it's um, it's the upper south end? Yuso. Yeah. yeah. Yuso now, crazy. We could call it. <laughs> Yuso is crazy, guys. Now, Kenny Smith just texted me. I'm surprised to get this. Kenny, former city councilman. Says, uh, I love my man Riding Hour, but we call it Loso in real estate. Really? I've uh, never heard anybody call it Loso. Am I wrong, Bernie? Now. Have you ever heard that? You're hip. You're, you're a like, millennial. Yeah. You're, I mean, if Bernie. You like not, breweries? If Bernie. If he's not saying Loso, then I, I don't know that anybody is. I'm going to start saying it, guys. I'm going to start saying it. You have to say it the way you Loso. said it earlier. Loso. Loso. Don't you feel like it's. I, I, I mean, when I lived in California, there was the North Hollywood area, the north part of. And they called it NoHo. I thought that that was. (laughs) I thought that was. Oh God! Now that I've said it out loud, I just heard it. That's terrible. Yeah. Maybe that's what they meant. Yeah, that's why we. But I never. (laughs) I never called it that. I never called it that. It just wasn't. uh, I don't know. I I, like the 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 shortened terms for things. I I don't know that I'm. I don't know that I'm in. But I guess maybe I'll start. Well, like Plaza saying. Midwood makes sense. I see, you know, names of streets and areas. But well, Plaza like, Midwood, yep. that's not shortened. That would be like calling it Plumid. That's my point. It's, that sounds like a part of town. Loso sounds like something made up by a committee of eight people trying to come up with something cool. Sounds well, like a noodle dish. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Kenny just said that uh, Beacon just developed a project called The Station at Loso. So I looked it up, The Station at Loso. It's a thing, but that does not mean that it's really a thing. That's a development saying they want it to be a thing, but I can think of other things along the line, like when Uptown decided that we're all supposed to call it Center City. Yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we had and Center City Fest. Who, yeah, and, and, but then there was that one year, that weird year, where they did the uptown, uptown, downtown, countdown. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, it, you and I, have we grew up here, so we remember when uptown was called downtown, and we called it downtown Charlotte forever and ever and ever. Still do. And then we started having to say uptown, and it took me a while, and that's why they had the uptown, downtown, countdown. That's right. Now, <laughs> jo- John Moore still says downtown. I, I can't break myself from it. But Just... I will admit, uptown, for most people, has still Stuck. Most yeah, yeah, people yeah. say Uptown Charlotte now. That's yeah. not a, so. I'm not here to say that it, these new uh, these renamings can't work. Yeah. But the Loso thing, uh, like I can think of, like I said, the Center City. Uh, Jim Zoki uh, and maybe maybe I was the only other person who knew about this. But back in 1996 or seven, when Zoki used to do the stadium show out of Erickson Stadium, he tried to start <laughs> Charlotte calling it the Rick. He did. <laughs> what? Shut up, Beth. <laughs> I remember it. I was wow. sitting, I was actually watching him at the studio. He goes, I'm Zoki here from the Rick. And they said, this, We're going to make this into happen. We're going to will it into happening. So, Did it happen? No. Well, did it take it didn't catch up? Did it catch up? Never caught so, up. So much so that they changed the name of the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> To Bank of America. America. Bank of America. Yes. I never thought of the bank. I should have thought of that. The bank. You should have called it the Eric. But so I I do have this question, though. The Um, sun. (laughs) Are you calling it Loso? Have you ever, outside of seeing it written in an article where somebody is sort of trying to will it into happening, do you call it Loso in just daily conversations? And by that, I mean Lower South End. As if if South End was not enough on its own. Exactly. I mean, because if we're going to do Loso, we have to do Yuso. And what about other examples of this thing where people try to name something or rename something and it just doesn't stick? None of you had heard of Mora before, right, Till I said it? No. No. Like Jim Mora. No. It's like, it's Monroe Rama is Mora. I live over close to there. I've never heard that. I think we call Mooresville Motown. Do we? 
Do I? Maybe it's just me. That's because you I guys think... have all those music um, <laughs> factories up. What there. you used to say is uh, Beth Troutman calls it Motown. <laughs> maybe somebody calls it that. I don't know. All right. Well, there's, there's, I know where Gastown is. There must be <laughs> there must be more examples of this. And if you're thinking of them, or or you're a Loso person, seven oh four. Like somebody from Loso, call me from the heart of Loso this yeah. morning. Give me a call from Loso, and <laughs> I want to hear how you say it. And I want you to do like Pee Wee Herman does, where he says, "The stars at night are big and." Do that. Deep in the heart of Loso. <laughs> Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, I hope Kenny Smith, wherever he is in Charlotte today, is listening right now. Live from Freemore West. <laughs> oh, no. At the top of the hill. The Great Colossus at One Julian Price Place. Now, this... top of the hill is Chapel Hill. <laughs> That's where I met my husband. Actually. Top of the hill between Moorhead and Wilkinson. <laughs> This is Good Morning BT. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, the Zoke, the John Moore, the Bernie. We're talking about nicknames for areas of Charlotte, and it can be areas in general, I suppose. I mean, somebody called and said the Mon- Monroe, a uh, Mooresville. I mean, Mo- Mooresville's actually what? Because okay, so I said I think people call it Motown. I was like, maybe I'm the only one who calls it Motown. They called in, and this is absolutely 100% right. Dale Earnhardt Jr. did this. It's called the Dirty Mo. Yeah. The Dirty Mo. The Dirty Mo celebrated 150 years over the weekend, guys. They had a big old Dirty Mo, f- like um, a downtown festival. Well, you know, Loso should take notes. Yeah. Mm. Now the this dirty is all. Mo. This is. Can stemming. we call Matthews Matt? Just <laughs> to shorten it up a little bit. Hey Matt. M Town. Well, I got a I got a message from Terry. She lives over in Harrisburg, and she said in Harrisburg they just call it the Berg, the Berg. Well, like you said, how about just call it South End? I think, yeah. well, how big is South End that we have to divide it it's into sections? It's just as many syllable, syllables as Loso. <laughs> syllables. syllables. All right. So this is stemming syllables. from uh, Matthew Ridenauer, who was uh, complaining that he never hears anybody call Loso Loso in daily conversations. He sees it just written or, or in print or, 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 or uh, appear in articles. And, and, and Kenny Smith then texts me and says, well, hang on. They just built a, de- a development now uh, that's called the Station at Loso. Uh, and be, so, uh, fine. But I, I'm still trying to say, is this something that every, everybody's going to join in and say that that is this particular area of Charlotte? I asked for somebody to call in from the heart of Loso. His name is Tim. He's with us right now. Welcome to the show. How are you this morning? Hey, Tim. We're great. Good. I, I live in what I, I believe is Loso. We're <laughs> <laughs> just on the other side of, uh, of Mad Park. You know, uh, over near South Park. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> known so to, I, known I, to some I, as I'm Madison Park. Sure. <laughs> so, so, have you ever heard anybody in regular conversation call it Loso? No. Okay. And and just like no, nobody from Charlotte, it, it would ever call it anything but downtown. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so I'm, I'm, I'm a. Four- I'm a fourth-generation native Charlottean, and, you know, I hope these folks keep on coming up with these 
names because that way I can uh, differentiate between the real charlatans and <laughs> imports. The imports. <laughs> as he said, as he as he's on his way to Center City, right? Yeah. I love right. that he's like, I live in Loso, but I'm not sure. All right, let's go to Chris. You're on News Talk 1110 WBT. Hi, Chris. Hey, guys. Uh, it, it sounds to me like Charlotte's trying to be a little bit like New York City because New York City has those, you know, little names like Tribeca is Triangle Below Canal Street. You know, Soho is south of Houston, and Nolita is north of Little Italy. So it sounds like we're trying to we're trying to be like one of those bigger cities like that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, by saying Loso and No Da. So I actually have this real, this is a real question. Is Loso all of South End? Is it the whole South Boulevard? I think it's lower South End. So it's, what is that? Is that like past East? Well, I don't know where, I don't know where the line of direction. Right, because otherwise right. South End would have to go away if Loso is all of South End. Like where yeah. is It'd the. It's like have two names for the same thing. Yeah, where does it begin? I'm confused right. about where is it's it like. It's right at Bland Street and then. <laughs> Tremont? Is that I, Tremont? I don't even know. Street's the same name. What? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now this is a this is a follow up question for you. Seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten. If you are insistent on Loso, where's the line? Yeah, where's, where's the it, state line? Where does it start? And and two are the taxes different? Do you have your own post office? Right. Do you have a different? Do you put Loso on your, your own fire department? On your envelope. Like Loso if, fire department. If you had to do the Carowinds and straddle the state line, where you know, is Where it? would you go stand between Noso and Loso? Right. No. Or up. Uh, I'm sorry, no so and up so. Yes. <laughs> you so. You so. Up so. Up so. I like up so. I kind of like up so too. Up so is high so, like higher in. Oh. But it, I'm confused. To, to our caller's point about the big cities, do you remember when um, How I Met Your Mother made fun of the fact that they, they called different areas like Tribeca? They did do. Doe with a tree play, and it, <laughs> and it stood for downwind of the sewage treatment plant. <laughs> um, it, it seems now, like we're doing that. Yep, we're, we're have, that place. We got people lining up to talk about this. When we come back, I've got one that may trigger Bernie. Uh oh. This may trigger Bernie, and this is not this is not an area of town. This is an entity in town that has tried to get people to call it something, and I'm not sure. Even though it's part of a logo, I'm not sure it's totally caught on after all these years. And I'll explain. As bad as the Rick? No. <laughs> well, oh. it's more official than the Rick. Oh, it's shirts made for that. <laughs> News Talk 11. No, you know what you need to do? You need to have the 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 Zoki Artichoke uniforms, and you know how the NBA had the little little sponsor. Well, sponsored tag? by the Rick Erickson. <laughs> sponsored Erickson, the Rick. which no longer exists. Yes. <laughs> Erickson cell phones. Right, that's perfect. News Talk 1110 WBT. Boy, this one set a nerve or touched a nerve. Yes. 704. What is set a nerve even mean? Set a nerve. No, it set it, it set it down, Bo. It just set the nerve right down to be tickled. This is the best thing since uh, Beth had her gut boiling. <laughs> 704-570-1110. We're talking about Loso because uh, I mentioned, uh, actually, it was a Facebook post by Matthew Ridenauer, county commissioner, you know, knows the area well, been to all points, I'm assuming. And uh, he said, who else calls it Loso, meaning Lower South End, than people who write newspaper articles? And I'm actually getting a lot of feedback from real estate people yes. who say that these, these terms, these shortened areas, and I get that, but that's a different thing than your average person on the street saying, I'm going to go to Loso. I've never heard it said in daily conversation uh, if it's just 
us non-real estate people. Well, and we also don't know exactly where it is. Like, if I'm saying I'm going to Loso, where is it? Does it start past East Boulevard? Does it start past, like, Randolph Road? Well, and see, we asked that question, and I've gotten uh, somebody says, uh, Woodlawn up to Canton. Or, I'm sorry, Clanton, Woodlawn up to Clanton. That's low, so that's like three blocks. The area is defined by real estate folks and tenants and businesses that are trying to give it some credibility. So where the beef and bottle that's, is. That's what uh, that's what my friend Vince says. <laughs> so beef and bottles in Loso, guys. Just that parking lot. That is the entirety of Loso. <laughs> now, that's Loso. Here's another one that says Loso, I, I think, starts around Marsh Road. See, nobody really knows. So how do you know if you're in Loso? Is that Marsh, could be a song. Is that like Ideal Way, Marsh? Is that Marsh, it's, it's fair. It's... You're in the same neck of the woods, but it's not the same. same. I can't be far off. Let's put it that way. Yeah, we'll see. It's this not is a big the, enough area to be This is the problem. Off. Neck of the woods is yeah. not precise. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what I'm talking Where about. Where is the neck of the woods? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody call Al Roker. <laughs> All right, uh, David. David's from Lake Wiley. Has been, well, you tell me, David. What do you know about Loso more than I do? Hello? Hey, hey David. David. What's up, man? Oh. Hey. I'm okay. sorry. I'm just stepping outside. Oh, you're so cute. Are you stepping outside in Loso? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to get no, where it's quieter. Outside in Lake Wiley. Don't step into Lake Wiley. Yes. So, so David, you're in Lake Wiley, or you're from Lake Wiley, but you've been calling it Loso? All right. Mm-hmm. David. Uh, David stepped yeah, outside? Yeah, calling it Loso pre-COVID. Okay. And, and what made you start calling it Loso? Did you, does everybody you talk to call it that? Yeah, I was down there one night with some buddies, uh, probably in 2019, and my friend said it was called Loso. And so yeah, it just so stuck. Ever since then, I've been calling that, but I think it's a good name. Well, here's the question, David. When you were out in Loso, where were you? Okay, I'm not yes, sure what's sir. going on. <laughs> All right, Dave, I'm going to put David on hold because he's having trouble hearing us. Let's go to Lamont. Lamont's on News Talk 1110 WBT. Hi, Lamont. Hey, how you doing, Boy and Bear? Hey, we're great, Lamont. Hey, I just, I just, I just caught you. I just caught your conversation. I just, I just switched on F. I mean, the AM station, you know. And uh, I caught you guys' conversation. And I'm from North Charlotte, so I'm a Charlotteian. And from no Charlotte, I don't. I've never heard Loso. Yeah. Okay. And so, and like, you live in Never North Charlotte. It. You would not call North Charlotte Noshaw, right? <laughs> no, it used to be called North Charlotte. Oh, would, and they don't. He would. Know, he would call it North Charlotte. Exactly. He'd <laughs> say no the Charlotte. whole word. It's like the anti-Charlotte. Yes. Okay. So, so we got one person who said that he's been calling it Loso amongst his friends. Lamont says he's never he's never shortened it. And he's from here. He's a he's a Charlotte native. Right. Lamont, keep keep listening to the we station. Oh, you went to Providence. Yeah, I so, graduated from Providence High School, so I'm not for sure about Loso. And I used to listen. I'm I'm from the Charlotte. I'm a Charlotteian. I used to listen to WGIB. Oh, oh. Okay. that's old school. Yeah. You ever listen to a little Rock and Ray Gooding? Yeah, you yeah. know, a long time ago, my parents used to listen to it. So you know. Oh, that's so cool. And Chatty Hattie, yes, rich Charlotte radio history. Lamont, thanks for calling. So he's, real he's quick, out in Waverly. <laughs> I've got to tell Bernie the one that I'm telling you that's going to trigger you, man. Should I tell him now or should I wait? What do you think? Let's trigger him now. Okay. So here's the one that I, I it's on logos, it's on it's on it's on the court. But I still as a longtime Charlotte Hornet fan have not embraced Buzz City. Mm. I don't know that Buzz City has caught on mm. with everybody. Mm. And they've been pushing that one ever since the Hornets came back. 
But Buzz City was not a thing the first time around, and maybe it's a generational thing. But Buzz City to me still, I don't go, I don't say, hey, I'm going to Buzz City. Do you say that, Bernie? I don't. So, yeah. I see, don't. the NBA's done this whole like alternate thing where it's like you have the different color uniforms and different almost personas. Like Portland's always been Rip City. Yeah. Because yes. the announcer used to call it Rip City or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of this kind of goes off of that just to make it a different, cooler <laughs> thing. But Rip, Rip City, uh, yeah, Rip City's been a long time. I feel like when they came back, it was they were just, we're going to make it Buzz City. It was never Buzz City the first time around. Buzz City. That sounds like either where Buzz Lightyear lives or where the BuzzFeed headquarters are would be Buzz City in my brain. And they should serve Buzz beer there. (laughs) Yes, exactly. News Talk 1110 WBT 10 in front of 9 o'clock. We're trying to figure out whether Loso is really a thing. And I know amongst real estate people, it is a thing because the real estate, the industry likes to uh, give different areas a name. I understand it from that point of view, and I've gotten a lot of real estate people, developers and such, texting me saying, oh, all these these nicknames for areas are really things. I get that, but I'm talking about in regular conversation. Do you do people really say I'm going to Loso the way they say I'm going to Noda? And we were trying to figure out if you are saying I'm going to Loso, where you're going. Yeah, that's what, true. <laughs> what area are you going to? And Joseph, one of our listeners, sent me a direct message on Twitter that said, okay, here's a map of South End. I would say anything past Marsh is Loso. And then he said, I'd personally say anything past where the rail trail ends, which I'm trying to think of where Marsh is and where the rail trail ends. Does the rail trail end before Marsh? I don't know. I'm I trying know. to. I'm trying to get these answers just I know. like you like are. Like the South End is. It's like because remember for us when they first started to put in the light rail and they were putting it down South End, mm-hmm. we were like, well, is everybody riding the the rails to the auto parts places because that's all that was in the South End. <laughs> now uh, Janet texts me says, uh, and you brought this up earlier, Mora. Mora is supposed to be a combination of Monroe Road and Raymer Road. Raymer Road, yeah, that was Jim. Jim was the well, one. But who Janet that up. has texted me and said Mora is a moronic name. Monroe and Raymer don't even sound close to that. Munray would have been better still, but a stupid marketing thing nonetheless. Ooh, I like Munray. Munray. <laughs> Munray. So let's go to Lay Y and bring David back on the line. <laughs> David. Day, David uh, had his radio on, I think, turned up too high, and we got a little bit of a delay going on. So uh, David uh, in Lay Y, uh, a.k.a. Lake Wiley, is back with us. Hi, David. Hello. Can you hear me? We now can. Now we can hear you. What's can going you hear on, us? man? Okay. I can hear you better now. I had the radio on before, so there was feedback. But anyways. I think I started calling it Loso in 2019 when a friend of mine said that's what the area was called. And I consider it where all the breweries are, where Old Mac is and Sugar Creek, 4001 Yancey, all the cideries. I don't know of it to be, you know, certain landmarks, but I mean, street names, but just where all the breweries are and the cideries. So that's kind of down like, South Boulevard and Woodlawn? Is that what that cross street area is? If you were t- on South and took a right on Woodlawn, you'd get to where those breweries are? Am I right about that? Kind I, of, not I believe really. you're right. When I go up there, I always turn on Yancey Street coming yeah. from South Tryon. So Yancey. Okay, that's yeah. exactly where, where I turn where to. Old okay, okay, okay. Brewery is. Yeah. okay, okay. Cause, yes, okay. Well, so I'm just going like to, from now name. on, Loso to me is beef and bottle. <laughs> that's going to be it. Loso is beef and bottle. All right, David, thank you. I think, is this the Kenny? I think, yes, it is. This is Realtor 
a former city councilman, uh, all-around great fan of the show, Kenny Smith, who's called in to defend the honor of Loso. I mean, I'm amazed that y'all are going down with the ship on this one. Wow. Y'all are plowing right ahead, although it's been abundantly proven Loso is a thing. I don't don't know. Do you say it? Where's your radio? Do you know the neighborhood your radio station's in? Yeah, you told me it's. We're uh, in Fremont West, I, I Fremont West. Fremont West. See, you walked you into the what, you walked you know, into the barber shop. Across from that's the freight district. Say again, what? The freight district is over there off Tuxedo and J Street, where um, Noble Smoke is. That's the freight district. Yeah, because so, all those old uh, warehouses have been uh, re- revitalized and adaptive reuse. You are like uh, chopping up pieces of pieces of pieces. I mean, that's within walking distance of us. So yeah. I, I, mean, I, I walk down the street. I'm in, I'm in Freemore now at the top of the hill, yes, which is not Chapel Hill. Uh, yes. I'm in Freemore West, and you say I yes. walk down the street to the stoplight, and then I'm in the, the what district? The, fr- the freight district. I thought that was just the Jim Noble district. Uh, now, that's, that, could, <laughs> that, would be a, that would be a marketing thing. <laughs> Wouldn't it be, though? Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I understand, and and you texted me and said a lot of us in the real estate uh, industry uh, talk about these different sectors. Like over, like Oakhurst is not too far from from Cotswold, but I don't hear a lot of people. I see the road, I see the signs over there, and a lot of the. Here's what I think happened with Loso. I think Loso, I was resistant at first. Um, I, I think Loso was, they were trying to do more development over there, the area was in transition. And you were trying to capitalize best you could on South End, which is an incredibly strong brand. And so I think that in the beginning, I think it truly was a little bit of a marketing shtick to try to gain more tenants and folks. And uh, Dave from Lake Wiley did a great job of explaining sort of the brewery district. Um, but now now I think it's totally a thing. Wait, so, wait, I, wait. I think he, in casual conversation, people mention it. He was calling in from Laywai. Lewa, Lewa. Kenny, so tell us exactly where Loso starts. I'm still confused. I'm trying to get a visual of driving down South Boulevard. I would start it at Clinton. Okay, I I mean WCNC is over that way. I used to work that down that area. I would start at Clinton um, and then head south. I thought your beef and bottle reference um, was pretty fair. That's probably the outer end of Loso. Oh, that's the outer end. Real estate developers that have properties off of Tyvola that want to say that that's Loso down by 77. I think that's probably a little too far. Um, uh, but I think, that again, I think it's people trying to piggyback off a successful area. Well, so if it's Clanton, not even down to where Tyvola is, so Loso's only a few blocks then. Yeah, a little bit more than a few blocks, but general, generally speaking. I think Woodlawn would be your, um, I think getting down to Woodlawn is probably fair. Have you ever heard of Mora? Yes. The reason I've heard of Mora, I was on the city council when the neighbors there started to um, put that together. And so I went to some art unveilings in Mora. And they've worked really hard to try to create a little um, buzz, a little buzz and synergy and bring back an area that can help revitalize that area. Do you mean Buzz City? (laughs) (laughs) Now, how about this? Whatever happened, Kenny Smith, former city councilman, to Center City? You mean downtown? Uh, you exactly. Yeah. Whatever happened to the, the whole? Did, is the center city thing? Is is that a, is that gone? COVID. Like has that I, been dropped? I, I think COVID happened. So right? center and south and south end happened. I mean, you're seeing you you've seen you're seeing a lot of folks 
relocate from uptown into South End. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. COVID uh, Center City, uh, that was. I'm not. I'm talking about Center City Center versus City. versus Center. uptown versus have, downtown. You have Center City Partners. They're they're still in existence. I know they're still Michael in existence, Smith, good but friend of mine runs it. yeah, but yeah, I know that it exists. But do people call? Have people ever called Uptown no. Center City? No. Like like I was talking about Buzz City earlier. Do yes. most Hornets fans say Buzz City? I don't no. think they do. And that's not that no. it's a bad thing. I understand the NBA likes to do all these alternate uniforms and different courts and everything, but I just don't hear people saying it. And, and that's essentially what this comes down to. Not that uh, an area hasn't been designated as something. I mean, you mentioned that the fact that there's a development that is that uses the the Loso name, right? Uh, but I'm just saying, has it has it gotten into the to the day to day talk amongst charlatans? It, it, it may not amongst people of your age group, but I think amongst some of the younger hipsters, they're aware. <laughs> Well, Thanks. Thanks for calling us old right there. Hang on, hang on a second. Appreciate I didn't that. call you old, Beth. I know you're younger than we are. <laughs> okay, okay. We, because when I he know, said when I he said Bo's your age group. Uh, up, so I know Bo's age. Yeah, I know exactly your age. Well, <laughs> all right, so Scott Stone actually just tweeted us, Bo, and wants to get in on this debate with Kenny. He said, debate on WBT Radio this morning. Where is Loso in Charlotte? Is there such a place? I believe that people are trying to make it on south around Marsh and Scaly Bark, but isn't yeah, that Sedgefield? That's Marsh, there's definitely Loso. But he said, but isn't that Sedgefield? That would be the residential neighborhood. <laughs> See, <it's> the <laughs> oh, my gosh. The problem. <laughs> All right, Kenny. Thank you for uh, confusing us great, further. Great segment, not just because you added me to it. It was great beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> he said Matthew Ridenauer's buddy, right? Yeah. I love Matthew. He's just wrong. This is <laughs> All right, Mick Mulvaney. Maybe he ha Mick Mulvaney grew up in the Charlotte area. Let's see what he says about this, amongst other things like CPAC. This is Bo and Beth on News Talk 1110 WBT. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Yeah, crank up that music on a Monday. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, here from the uh, WBT Studios. At Freemore West. I guess if I start saying it over the 50,000 watts, it'll become a thing, it's right? It's going to be a thing. Mick Mulvaney coming to us from nowhere near here on a Monday morning. Can you hear me? What is Freemore West? Freemore West, I'm told, is the area of Charlotte where we are. We're on Freedom, Freedom Drive or near Freedom Drive at the top of the hill on uh, West Moorhead. And so no, you are always going to be, for, for, for the end of time, you'll be at one Julian Price place. That's the only way place that WBT is supposed to be. So we call it now, it's called Would You. Would You, <laughs> Jewel. Now, Wool, I know, Wool, Jewel. I know some, some broadcasting types that would, would call this Fulfillment Hill. I like the that. The top of the hill, if you're a broadcaster, this is the hill you want to be on. I think James K. Flynn's the first person I heard say that. Fulfillment Hill. So we're here at the top of the hill 
and and so the reason I'm saying this, Mick, is because for the last hour or so, we've been talking about nicknames for areas of Charlotte because there's a county commissioner, a former county commissioner here that was uh, saying on social media, does anybody really call Lower South End Loso? You ever heard of Loso? Um, no, and since I'm on the, I was on the original, the very founding um, uh, group of the South End Development Corporation that branded South End and tried to get it started back in the early 1990s, I might know a little bit about Loso, and I've never heard that word before. Yeah, so if you, of all people, don't know about this, because we've had some real estate people call in. Kenny Smith, who's a, 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 a realtor developer around town, says that in real estate circles, people know all about this. But what I'm talking about is, you know, the, the common conversation, it, just person to person during the day, is Loso become a thing the way South End or the way Noda, you know, some of these areas. And, and so you're kind of reinforcing that, uh, no, it's not gotten to that point yet. Listen, I am where I am in life in large part because of the Charlotte real estate community. I mean, we, we built houses there for 50 years. I've spent a little bit of time in real estate. My guess is that's just a real estate broker trying to justify their percentage. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> 704-570-11. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, so you're in uh, you're in Florida today, correct? I am, and we're trying out this new technology. I have these fancy new $19 headphones that uh, the WBT said I should buy so I could do this uh, remotely. Well, uh, you sound, uh, people listening may, uh, it sounds a little bit uh, overmodulated. We're going to see if we can fix that uh, coming up during the hour. But we can hear you well enough. And, uh, John Moore, in fact, let me start off with this because uh, I want to play a clip for Mick Mulvaney. It's, uh, it's number one. Okay. CPAC over the weekend uh, in Maryland. Uh, first time it's been out of Florida in a while. But Donald Trump, President Trump, former President Trump, was uh, the, the I, I don't know if you'd say keynote speaker, but he was the finale speaker for the weekend amongst many other speakers. And some of them may be presidential candidates and some of them are. But this is uh, the clip I keep hearing over and over from his speech. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior, I am your justice, and for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution, I am your retribution. Not gonna let this happen. Not gonna let it happen. I will totally obliterate the deep state. I am your retribution. Yeah, there's, uh, let's, let's do an hour on that clip um, because there's a bunch of different pieces to it, and, and we can. Let's, let's, let's start in no particular order. Um, that's not um, – he's not winging that, all right? That, is, that was written out for him. So those three things, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a rhetorical tool. You, you're an A, a B, a C. You do one, you do two, you do three, right? Everybody learns that when you learn formal rhetoric. So someone wrote that for him. So that means that that is a message that they have tested. That's a message that they want to use. That's a message you're going to hear or hear again. I was your justice. I would, you know, I'm your retribution, etc. So that's not by accident, um, which is a little bit uh, uh, interesting in that for some reason they think that's the message that is a winning message. Uh, this is the biggest, if I have one major difficulty with the way the president campaigns. Of course, every time you raise the issue with the president of why he campaigns, at least in, uh, up until 2020, he could always look at you. And he did look at me and say, Mick, I hear what you're saying. Have you won a Republican primary for president? Have you been elected president? Of course, the answer is no. And he's going to do it his way. 
But I would always, always push back and say, Mr. President, politics is a game of addition, not a game of division and subtraction. It's addition and multiplication. How do you find people who weren't going to vote for you to get them to vote for you? Right? That, that's, that's the key, especially if, if you've lost your last election. We had this conversation about Arizona. I said, why are you attacking John McCain? He's like, because John McCain is a terrible person. I said, you know, I happen to agree with that. I don't like John McCain. But by you attacking John McCain in Arizona, there's not a single person, not one voter, who said, you know what? I wasn't going to vote for, for Donald Trump until he attacked John McCain, and now I'm going to be for him. But there could be thousands of voters who could be for John McCain who look at this and go, why am I voting for Trump if he's against John McCain? So he was subtracting, always, always, always subtracting. I don't know who the target audience is for this retribution justice message, because all of those people were already voting for Donald Trump. But there's going to be middle-of-the-road, normal, nice voters in Wisconsin and Minnesota and Iowa who hear that and go, how can I get as far away from this guy as possible? So it's a game, even if they voted for him once or even twice, it's, he's subtracting from his base, not adding to it with language like that. Uh, and that's just the first thing I could say about that little 30-second clip. Welcome back. News Talk 1110 WBT. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, Mick Mulvaney is with us today, former White House Chief of Staff. And, of course, uh, South Carolina Congressman, budget director uh, during the, the Trump administration for a time and a special envoy to Northern Ireland. And here we are uh, listening to President Trump do something we've heard him do uh, numerous times now, and that is make a speech at CPAC. And uh, this is not the final CPAC before uh, the 24 election. That'll be next year. But this one uh, was the first one out of Florida in a while. It was in Maryland, and uh, he was the— uh, he was the final speaker over the weekend on Saturday. I want to play a clip that we were talking about last segment, and I know Mick has more to say about this one. It's a short one, so let's roll that again, John Moore. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. I'm not going to let this happen. Not going to let it happen. I will totally obliterate the deep state. Now, a lot of times with Mick Mulvaney, uh, with Mick having worked uh, very close to President Trump for uh, the for for that year, we uh, you help us figure out when President Trump is on script and when he's going off script. So you say that that particular exchange right there uh, that was all all the way uh, choreographed. Yeah, the only thing that, that was uh, improv was the re was the repetition of the retribution. When he said, "I'm your retribution," I am retribution. That's what he's reading. That he likes that line, so he says it again for emphasis. But that's not on the teleprompter. That's him winging that as he goes because he, he just feels like the room responds well. And that's a that's a good line. The rest of it about I will totally obliterate the deep state, and I think he then goes on to say and drain the swamp, etc. That will also would have been scripted. It was interesting to me when he first started that, you know, he said I, in 2016, I said that I am your voice. Now I'm saying I am your, and he said warrior, kind of like it had a question at the end of it, like, like that he wasn't sure about that line when he read it. Did you get that indication just in, in, in his inflection? Uh, a little bit. Sometimes that's just his, he knows what's coming next. I'm your warrior. And he's, he, he, what he's really getting to is whatever comes next. So he's pretty good on the teleprompter. He never liked the teleprompter. I remember... We gave a speech from the, from the Oval Office one time during the government shutdown, and he really fought 
doing that because he doesn't like the teleprompter, but it went so well. And then right after that, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer gave their sort of famous American Gothic style um, uh, presentation from a teleprompter, and they did so poorly that Trump walked in and he goes, we need to do that again. He goes, I'm not great at it, but I'm better than those two, and he's right. So he's pretty good at a teleprompter. I don't think he was asking a question as much as he was sort of leaning towards the next line, which is, I am your retribution. Okay, I want to play you uh, another clip from the speech, and uh, this one, uh, again, I, w I want to know what you think was scripted here and what was him riffing, or maybe it was all of one or all of the other. We will get rid of bad and ugly buildings and return to the magnificent classical style of Western civilization. We will support baby boomers, and we will support baby bonuses for a new baby boom. How does that sound? That sounds pretty I want a baby boom. Oh, you men are so lucky out there. You're so lucky. You are so lucky, men. Our country will shine, thrive, and prosper like never before. All of this is within our reach, but only if we have the courage to complete the job, gut the deep state, reclaim our democracy, and banish the tyrants and Marxists into political exile forever. They are bad for us. They want us to fail. They want our country to go down. They are sick people. Change only happens if we plow fearlessly ahead and declare with one voice that the era of woke and weaponized government is over. That is our task. That is our mission. And this is the turning point and the time for that decision. A baby boom? Yeah, that's actually um, it's the first I've heard of that. Um, by the way, I, I, I hardly think that uh, classical Western architecture is going to be a swing issue in the election, so I'm not sure. Yeah, that we'll one surprised that one me. We're like, the, we're, we're going to build better buildings. <laughs> yeah, he, he loves that, by the way. Remember the story I told about him being in North Korea to go over and criticize the North Korean architecture with Kim Jong-un. So it's serious to him, and by the way, it's something when he became friends and he did start to strike up a relationship with Prince Charles, now King Charles, it was over um, architecture, something that both men follow. So it's, it's real to him. But my guess is we never hear that line in a speech again because they're the only two people in the world who really care about it. It's not going to move um, a, a single vote. Um, the baby boomer thing is, is uh, that's interesting. I've not heard that before. It certainly gets discussed in conservative circles. Um, there are some countries, Hungary, most notable about them, that have started to give incentives to um, people to have babies. By the way, a lot of the Asian countries do it as well, simply because their growth rates, their population rates are declining. And what they do is they give certain tax incentives. I think in Hungary, for example, you don't pay taxes if you have a fourth child ever. You, you, the rest of your life is, is income tax-free. Um, uh, by the way, I understand that Russia has adopted it as well, interestingly enough. So it is certainly a topic that is making its way through conservative academia and intellectual circles. I've never heard the president talk about it before, but clearly he's going to make that part of his his uh, his campaign. The one thing I take away from this, and we can talk about the deep state maybe in, in a different clip, is, look, love it or hate it, and I, it doesn't speak to me. Of course, I know the president differently than most people. At least this is not a rehash of the 2020 election. So, so far, uh, most of the speech that I've heard, most of the speech I've read about online uh, and stuff were forward-looking which is a dramatic departure for him for the last several months. Well, just really quickly, yes or no, the riff where he said, men are so lucky, men, you men are so lucky. <laughs> is that scripted or is that just him saying, is that just him 
No, you hit the nail on the head. That's you could sort of listen to the cadence, listen to the cadence, and when the cadence changes, that's him riffing. So, oh man, you're so lucky. That's absolutely him riffing. Welcome back. It's Bo and Beth, News Talk 1110 WBT with Mick Mulvaney here talking about CPAC over the weekend. It's uh, it's not the CPAC of the election year. It's the CPAC before we really know how the field is going to shake out. Uh, if this were to happen, and it will happen a year from now, uh, all the all the players will be in place, and even some of the players will be gone by this point. But uh, here in uh, 2023, you're still... Uh, you see a few candidates, and you're speculating about who else is going to join the mix. Uh, of course, Ron DeSantis, very notably, not there this weekend. So, Beth, you and I have been making sense of this this morning, and now we have Mick here who uh, can sort of give us maybe a window into why certain things were said. Mm -hmm. This particular clip, Mick Mulvaney, is Nikki Haley, who spoke uh, before President Trump, obviously. But uh, I want to play you this clip because uh, she obviously is the only other candidate that's officially declared at this point. As a brown girl growing up in a black and white world, I saw the promise of America unfold before me. As the wife of a combat veteran, I saw our people's deep strength and the courage to defend it. As governor, I saw our state move beyond hate and violence and lift up everybody in peace. And as ambassador, I saw that America is still the standard. When we speak, the world listens. Where we lead, the world follows. Who we are, the world wants to be. This will always be the greatest nation in human history. Now we have a duty to make it greater still. This is my purpose. This is our mission. Let's save our country from weakness and wokeness. Let's bring back a nation that's strong and proud. If anyone can do it, it's the American people. And I have faith that we will prove it again. Thank you, and God bless America. All right, you know Nikki, Nikki Haley very well. Uh, the one thing I'll say about that, I said this to Beth earlier, is that one thing is for sure, we've heard this speech several times now. Like, uh, we, we know what she's going to say, essentially. And with President Trump, actually, we heard some things that we had not heard yeah. before. So uh, what do you make of Nikki Haley and her moment this past weekend? You know, it's a pretty good speech. Nikki delivers a really good speech. Um, uh, so she covers all the basics. That's called a biographical introduction, right? This is to, uh, you might not know who I am. You may see my face. You may recognize my name, but let me tell you a little bit about who I am and why I'm running. Most candidates will do that for the first couple of times. I'm a little surprised she's doing it at CPAC because they probably know who she is. But again, it's a good speech. I think more interesting is the fact she was there because she was the only other person. Yeah, she's the only other announced person other than like, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, who I don't think anybody knows. Um, so, But the fact that she was there, Mike Pence was not, Mike Pompeo was not, Tim Scott was not. I thought was very interesting. It strikes me as I was listening to that, that really that's an audition for vice president uh, is what it comes down to. There's an audience of one for that speech, which is Donald Trump. Donald Trump loves people who are good on TV. He loves people who are good at delivering speeches and so forth. Uh, and my guess is this ties in or could tie in at least to the longer discussion we've had separately about why Trump has not been attacking her. You know, what's the real, you know, does she have a chance in the race? I guess she does. Again, she's a, she's a compelling candidate. I'm not sure how the, you know, brown person in a black world sells um, in the Republican primary. But um, I, you got to wonder if this is really just the positioning of, of a Trump-Haley ticket, or at least an audition 
for that. Uh, I think Trump wants her in the race because we've talked about the data before that shows Trump in some polling at least losing to DeSantis head-to-head, but beating DeSantis when Nikki's in the race. Uh, so I think that's interesting to me, not for what she said, but for where she said it. She was at CPAC. Uh, she's giving a biographical speech at CPAC to people who should know her. Um, and it strikes me that maybe who she's speaking to in that speech is Donald Trump. With her messaging, you know, her, her speech was it more hopeful sounding, whereas we go back to the former president's speech and he's talking about, you know, retribution as as what his his goal is as a as a leader. Is is there a sense that voters have moved past this idea of anger and maybe want more hopefulness? I, I think it's just a question of you, if you're running and you really think you have a chance to win, what are you going to run as? You, you can't be more angry than Donald Trump. You can't be more of a warrior retribution candidate than Donald Trump, right, because he owns that real estate. So what you're trying to essentially run as, I suppose, and all of them will have a, a, a sort of this common theme to their campaign is – uh, I believe in the same things he does. I want the want the same ends that he does, but you're going to get the same things you get with him with a little bit warmer, a little bit softer edges, a little bit, you know, brighter face that, that you know, the Trump policies without Trump. That's going to be a consistency across all of the candidates to that. So that part doesn't surprise me. Now, of course, there's the straw poll that they take at the end of every one of these. Um, Donald Trump, 62 percent of those uh Hold there, 20% in second place is DeSantis, and Nikki Haley is a distant third at 3%. So you had uh, 2,028 votes from attendees there. Uh, what does this even mean, I mean, if anything? Wow, uh, wow. that number should be much higher for Nikki. Because um, ordinarily, when you go to CPAC like this, and there'll be events like this. This is CPAC's a big one, by the way. It's not nearly as big as it used to be. It's suffering under sort of the scandal of the, of, of the of leader Matt Schlapp's allegations around his personal activity. Uh, a lot of folks, uh, you know, abandoned CPAC this year. The attendance was way down. But still, at events like this, people tend to reward that the straw poll voters, people who are there. That's what they poll, right? The folks who participated at the conference. They tend to reward people who show up because they showed up, right? So you like the fact that somebody's there. If you're going to travel to Washington, D.C. to go to one of these conferences, you'd like to see folks show up. So it doesn't surprise me that maybe Mike Pompeo and Mike Pence don't make the list of there. But for Nikki Haley to show up um, and, and give that speech and only get 3% and for DeSantis not to be there and get 20 that's the takeaway from that. The other takeaway would you know, I guess Donald Trump's numbers are very big, but CPAC has become Trump PAC. It just has been. Everybody knows that. In fact, it's been that way now for about six years. It's one of the criticisms that I've had of, of, of Matt Schlapp, the CEO of CPAC and of the event, is that it's turned into a, a Trump sort of cheerleading group, um, which it was never intended to be. Um, so for him to get 63 percent, I guess, could be noteworthy and that it should be bigger for the people who are there. WBT. News Talk 1110 WBT, Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, coming to you live from the Ty Boyd studio. Mick Mulvaney is with us. And I want to play a clip that's not from CPAC this weekend. And Mick, I don't know if you saw this or not. Do you ever watch uh, Bill Maher uh, on HBO? No. Yeah, well, he uh, his latest show on Friday, uh, he's talking about uh, the... You know, the headline last week about uh, the origins of of COVID-19 and the lab and where did it come from? And, and, you know, some new some new chatter on this front. Let me play this and then we'll talk about it. I feel like we're entering this phase now with COVID where we are in a period of we can have perspective. We can look back. It's over. 
And so there's been a number of studies recently that have come out about things like natural immunity, mask wearing, lockdowns, and of course the big one this week about the lab leak theory. Um, I feel like the people who are the dissenters are looking pretty good. I was one of them. I remember getting a lot of from a lot of places. I, somebody dug this up for me this week. Uh, the Daily Beast, <laughs> Daily Beast, uh, had a headline, Bill Maher pushes Steve Bannon Wuhan lab COVID conspiracy. Yes, it was just Steve Bannon. Well, it was, you know, the former head of the CDC, it's the FBI, it's the Energy Department. We don't know. Like I said, we shouldn't politicize it. But would you agree that the dissenters are looking better these days? So uh, on Wednesday, there's going to be uh, another hearing. This is the uh, House Select Subcommittee on uh, Coronavirus Pandemic. Uh, you're going to have Robert Redfield uh, among the people who are going to testify on the origins of covid so we had the China-U.S. relations uh, discussion last week in a subcommittee, and now, now this one's going to focus more on, like you said, the, the, the Wuhan lab leak theory, et cetera. But uh, where do you come down on what you just heard? Yeah, uh, it's fascinating. I just, by pure coincidence, was in Washington last week and having dinner with Brad Wenstrup, who is the chairman of that committee on COVID, and asked him, talked a little bit about what he was going to do, how he was going to do it. He's a doctor, by the way, an Army, an army doctor, and very, very committed to the issue, says he's going to spend, he goes, if, my, if it's my last two years in Congress, I'm going to spend every single minute on this issue because I think the way that the government handled it was wrong. Um, in politicizing the uh, the the, uh, the pandemic, so uh, Bob Redfield also, by the way, worked with me in the White House when I was on the uh, COVID task force. An extraordinarily bright guy. I put him on the same level as anybody in Washington D.C. and has been contending from a fairly early on. Not while we were still having meetings, but as soon as you had a chance to sit back, take a deep breath, and say, "Okay, where did this come from?" He has he has he said that he thought that the most likely place was from the lab. Um, here's the point is that you're going to get a chance, I think, in large part because the Republicans took control. And granted, both sides politicized uh, COVID, both sides. Trump politicized it and the Democrats politicized it against him um, to the point where we couldn't have these debates uh, up until now. Um, now we're going to have them. And I think you're going to get an even-handed approach to an investigation in both the outbreaks of COVID and how the government handled it. For example, you're going to hear for the first time probably from a source that is, is impunable that uh, you know, we didn't have any, there was no textbook, there was no sort of practice run, there's no uh, uh, policies on a complete economic shutdown to deal with a pandemic. Um, that, that was never the plan. No one ever thought that that was a good idea before COVID. Uh, we did it in large part because Tony Fauci said that we should based upon what he perceived to be success uh, in China. So you're going to hear all of those things, and I hope it gets us a chance to cut through the politics now that Trump is out of office now that a lot of the Democrats are gone, Tony Fauci's retired, and finally get a chance for people to get real information without that political filter so they can start to make some decisions for themselves. Now, as they start looking into uh, where the where COVID actually originated, there was a, a, an article in Politico over the weekend. Uh, China continues to block efforts to determine COVID's origins. And this, this is coming from um, from Congress, from lawmakers who are saying, you know, we're trying to find the source of this, but China isn't cooperating. Just that statement alone, doesn't that seem to indicate that they do know that it's coming from a lab if they're trying to block any kind of investigation into it? Or am I just uh, reading into that on my own? No, I, I think it's a reasonable conclusion, or at least it's certainly a reasonable re uh, you know, excuse to want to dig a little bit deeper. But it's just China being 
China. It's what they've done from the very beginning, which is just to lock everybody out. I remember in the early days of COVID, we could not get the American members of the World Health Organization into China. They would not allow they wouldn't allow anybody in for the first couple of weeks, and then they did. They would only allow countries that they selected. They wouldn't allow the Americans in. And I remember doing an interview overseas uh, in Australia, and I asked them, I said, look, if any other country in the world had behaved like this, if this disease had started in Sydney, Australia, and the Australians had been as terrible at sharing information and locking out the rest of the world, they'd be an international pariah right now. There would be demands to cease diplomatic relations, to pe penalize them, etc. But the reason it's different is because every Fortune 500 CEO in the world is marching into the Oval Office, whether it's Republican or Democrat, and demanding that we go soft on China because that's where all their earnings are because they've got a billion people and money to spend. So um, it is one of those things that brings international politics into play um, because, uh, because of where this disease started, because of who the Chinese are. Uh, it's, it's been a challenge from the very beginning. And again, if there's a silver lining to COVID, and it's hard to say there's a silver lining, it's such a terrible thing, it's that I think the world now sees China for what it is, which it is not a good actor. Let me swing it back around to CPAC before we uh, let you go for this week and go back to that straw poll. We mentioned that Donald Trump got 62 percent of the vote. Nikki Haley got 3 percent. Ron DeSantis got 20. Ron DeSantis did not attend the event. Uh, we've talked in recent weeks about uh, his strategy right now. When's he going to get in? Uh, does he need to get in? What's the what's the plan for Ron DeSantis? Do you think 20 percent is a good showing for him, despite the fact that he wasn't there? And uh, where do you think he is right now on the decision in the decision process to uh, finally get in this thing? Keep in mind, this is Trump pack now. It's not CPAC. It's Trump pack. Right? He's the only you know, he showed up and Nikki showed up. We talked about that already. Anything short of 100 um, would, in theory, be a loss for Donald Trump in that crowd. I mean, this is a hand. This is a self-selecting crowd of Trump people who want to go hear about Trump and see Trump. So the fact that DeSantis got anything, I think, is, is the type of thing that should make the Trump people wonder, because that number should be much higher than 63 percent. Now, granted, they'll look at it and say, oh, we're ahead of, the, of DeSantis by 40 points, which is true. I mean, it's hard to argue with the numbers. But that number should be bigger. As to when Ron gets in, I know you know it's down in, in uh, Palm Beach two weeks ago. We talked about this, and his donors are pushing them in him to get in because they think it clears the field. I don't think that's the case. I can't make a case as to why Ron DeSantis should get in early rather than late. He can take his time. He can still raise the money. He can still campaign. He still has the national platform because he's a high-profile governor of an important state. There's no benefit to Ron DeSantis to getting in early. My guess is if he runs, you won't hear anything until the summer. Mick Mulvaney, always a pleasure. Plenty to talk about. I appreciate you joining us as always. Thanks, y'all. We'll get the tech right next time. It's my fault. I apologize. Oh, we'll get it. We'll get it going. Yeah, we'll we got get it. it. We got it rectified. And uh, always enjoy the conversation. You have a good week. We'll uh, reconvene next week. Beth Troutman and Bo Thompson wrapping it for another day. Got another day tomorrow. We're just getting started. Just getting started. As uh, Rush Limbaugh used to say, actually, what would the math be? <laughs> now, what, what, like a 19-hour break for me? I don't know. We'll be back tomorrow. I know at some point. <laughs> we'll come back. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.